Hello and welcome to Not Just Trash Talk. We don't refer to it as just trash talk anymore. The award-winning best podcast in the game, Trash Talk. How good. Welcome. Very good. Number one good. Well, I'm stoked the recognition was there. You worked so hard behind the scenes, mate. And yeah, yeah, just glad I could fill a seat. Because your tweet after we won was that we just sit here... And look like idiots, yeah. And look like idiots while everyone else does the hard work. Little do you know that I do the hard work behind the scenes, Peter. Yeah, little did I know. <laughs> I, I, honest, I won, you told me uh, I do a lot of work, and then I was like, well, do I believe uh, it? But you seemed upset. But anyway, it doesn't change the fact that we are award winners. We're number one, and also congratulations to our favourite show, NBL Overtime, which took out the best online show. A thoroughly, thoroughly deserved award. Big congratulations to Cam Luke and the crew. What's that look at? Why is your lip twitching? Pete? I'm just waiting for. First off, he got you in a real good gag in the post game show. He did. Show, he did. Um, which you shouldn't fall for. Like, you're better than that. We train you better than that. And then you fell for it again. Double timed. And the video <laughs> hasn't come off from when I, I, got, I got double timed on that one. But anyway, let's jump into the stories because there's enough going on in the NBL this week. We're coming up to the awards night and we're going to jump on that. We're going to have plenty of content on awards night as well. But the biggest one I want to talk about, and I know that I, I, I don't want to be talking about owners on this show, but I have to come at it, come at it again. Grant Kelly, the owner of the Adelaide 36ers, and Mitch Creek got into it after the game. Now, I've brought the shovel out, and Mitch Creek was eventually fined $500 for the altercation. We're not sure if anything was given to Grant Kelly. I assume not because the Adelaide 36ers made the complaint. But from the digging that I did, okay, I from multiple this. people who were at the game, and all of them had the same, you know when something's right, when everyone comes with the same story, yeah. without corroborating I'm, or any of that I'm, sort of stuff. I'm ready for this. He was leaning, it's not like crazy stuff, but it's more the, the actions afterwards. Yeah. Leaning over the fence. After they've beaten Adelaide, they've beaten, Adelaide's beaten South East Melbourne twice now. Yep. Leaning over the fence, sort of taunting Mitch in a way. And then Mitch has yelled back at him. No one really knows exactly what he said, but it was a bit of an FU sort of thing. Right. And then he goes and snitches to the league. Yeah. How can you snitch when you initiated the activity? If you're the one being a smart ass, and I've backed Grant Kelly up before. When we talk about the when they blocked the Brooklyn Nets deal, because that was him saying, I'm not going to get big boyed and bullied by the NBA. Yeah. We need that buyout money, which was right. And he did the right thing. As, as much as it sounded bad and it was portrayed bad in the media, Grant Kelly did the right thing by the Brooklyn Nets. He said, No, if you want Mitch Creek, you've got to pay us what's set out in the contract, as you should. But snitching, snitching. Completely I think, unacceptable. So this is what as with that whole thing that went down and the the thing that happened between Mitch Creek and Adelaide as a whole, and it just went down. And as you said, it made him look terrible in the eyes of all the media and all the fans were just like, why are you doing this? Like, We loved Mitch Creek. Why are you making this so hard for this man? It, what he's done, I reckon, is he's seen as a little chance to be like, you know what? Let them see that Mitch Creek's a bad guy here just so I get a little bit of sympathy trying to get back up to level. And it didn't work out because as you said, everyone's no. like, well, you've snitched. You snitched. It completely, completely And let's reversed. not forget... The Adelaide fans still love Mitch Creek. Like they, what he yeah, did because he did nothing exactly. wrong by them at any so point of his career. So it backfired completely because not only that, then people are like, hang on, well, you snitched on him and everyone's like, well, what you did for his potential NBA career, fair enough. Like, good on him. I hope he got his money's worth. Like, that's what the part that a, went down. The, the, the aspect of the snitching for me, it's Casper Ware, when he comes to Melbourne, goes at Hutchie virtually every single time he runs down the floor. Yeah. Now, we don't know exactly what's said between Craig Hutchison, one of the Melbourne United owners, and Casper Ware, but I'll tell you what, it's probably not PG. You don't see Hutchie run into the media. Hutchie runs the media in this state. Yeah. If he wants to push something out, he could push it out. Yeah. 
You don't see him say a word because it's between two people. Yeah, and just yeah. leave it like that. Especially when you're the instigator of it, and you, what do you expect him to do? Just That's like, the biggest part. And they lost. Like you won Adelaide. That's a bigger win of all. Like you beat, you beat him. He came back in and you beat twice. Yeah, you really need a report to do to the NBL after that. I, I just think I think it's a weak move. It is the opposite of a boss move. Whatever the term is there, terrible. <laughs> well, I don't know what the term employee is. employee move. It works in theory. Well, yeah, we'll go with it. Anyway, we're staying on this Adelaide 36ers train at the moment because probably the single biggest piece of news that came out this week was Joey Wright agrees to mutually end his coaching of the Adelaide 36ers and then seemingly does somewhat of a backflip in the press conference by coming out and saying it's up to them if they want me to leave it. Now, you got your theories on this. I am utterly confused in every sense of the word here. Right, so I saw the article. Body put out the article that had mutually agreed to part ways and he's still got two years left on, on his deal. He signed a five-year deal. Yeah. So then, very may well have they might have had a conversation and he thought that after everything that's going on that after this year he will step aside. But then he came out in the interview with John Casey and said, well, no, it's up. we'll have this discussion. I've got two years left. If they don't want me to be a part of it, we have to have a discussion then. He's a very, very smart man. So I found an article from back when he was in the Gold Coast days, same kind of situation, had two years left on his deal. And he ended up saying the right things at the right time. So then he ended up going to court and had like 200 plus payout given to him for- It was like $280,000. A breach of contract because they went and decided, well, we don't want you anymore. Instead of mutually agreed ways, he managed to spin it that way. So this man's a smart man. Joey Wright is a very, very smart oh, man. There's no doubting. He's a smart man. He's a good coach. Regardless of whatever's happening. And it wouldn't surprise me. With every, Everyone said it last year as well. But let's not forget two years ago, this man was in a grand final series. Like it's just had, like There's been a lot of pieces as well that just haven't fit in the right places. But by him, I guess, Body's a good journalist. He's done the digging himself, probably got to the bottom of it before he would write. And then he's got out on the right foot, said the right things at the right time. And that way... You, Everyone's confused, but when it comes down to it, now he has got that little upper hand because he's still got a contract. So is, is Joey Wright going to be the head coach of the Adelaide 36ers next year? I don't think he will. I, be. I, I, I don't think he will. Surely, if, they, if, if this has happened before and the Adelaide 36ers can see this going down this path yeah. of a legal buyout, which is going to be in the range of you know having to pay out that final end of the contract... Yeah. Surely they just write it out because he's not a bad coach. Well, by a lot means. of people. Oh, you saying keep him for two years? Well, yeah, yeah. If it's gonna, if you're gonna have to pay him out anyway, because you got to remember, and Sam Tugwell on the press box podcast mentioned this morning that there's gonna, there could be a mass, and there's rumor of if Joey goes, there's a mass exodus of players because there's only two players, Alex Madronia and Jack McVeigh that are on contract next year. Is Jerome a one-on-one? I believe there's there's options. Right, right. right. But, but the, the, the word I'm... is that people are going to deny their options if. Joey Wright isn't around next year, which also leads me to believe if I'm an Adelaide 36ers fan, maybe that's not the worst thing. Right, exactly. Because then you can just start new coach. Because if you're coming in with a new coach, then you want new players. The worst thing is when you come in with a new coach and they've got all the players from the previous coach because coaches have their certain styles. So if they go for a Rob Beveridge, then you want only two players remaining on the roster and you've got two young studs in those two players. So I think the Adelaide 36ers... If you are ever going to make the move, if you are ever going to change coaches, now is the time to do it. And I'm not saying this out of, you know, is Joey Wright the right man for the job? No, I, I love Joey Wright and I think yeah, he's a great sure. coach. Yeah. But now's the time to do it. You've got expiring contracts. If everyone's saying they're not going to take their option if he's not there, then bang, you bring in a new guy, even an import coach that has connections to imports overseas. The thing with Joey Wright is any player that's had real good success underneath him talks about how he's the perfect coach for them. He gets the best out of certain guys. 
So it's, I think he's been dealt a couple of bad pieces that he can't really work with, and that's not his fault. Coaches have their styles to try and work with certain players. He gets the certain best out of guys. Like You look what he did with Chris Golding and, at Gold Coast and stuff like that. Well, he's Chris Golding, Nathan Sobey. Mitch Creek to an extent. So Mitch Creek came in as an absolute yeah. stud, but he still nurtured him from the age of what, like 16? But it's interesting. So it depends if that does happen, when it happens. Because I remember back when I was training with the Sixers before I went to college and Marty Clark was the coach and Daniel Johnson was a, a rookie. And then the year after that, everyone was calling for Marty Clark's head who had another year on his contract. But he had just signed Daniel Johnson to a big three-year deal. And then all the fans mm. were like, hang on, you just signed him and now you're gone. Like we have to now keep him for three years. Yeah. And it worked, yeah. Obviously, he's the leading scorer in the decade. But if it happens a bit later on, and yeah. if I'm Joey and if team's trying to get rid of me or whatever, I'd, all right, well, let's see what little damage I can do if I'm coaching against oh, you 100%. next year. 100%. It, like, it was like Rob Beveridge did the same thing at Illawarra. Yeah. He started saying that they weren't paying this, weren't yeah. paying that, and then it sort of backfired because he didn't get the Sydney job. Yeah. So that was a bit of a weird one there. But anyway, we'll jump into the run home. Yep. This is the interesting one. And if you've ever seen the term clusterfuck, it applies here perfectly. Yep. You've got three teams right now. Well, this is this is what the the season deserves is a round it like is. this. This this is exactly what we want. Yeah. You would rather this than this being one of those dead rubber final rounds where there's maybe one game that has a bit of an impact. There's still uh it'll be Sydney finishing top unless there's a 49. Okay, yeah, it's not Sydney happening. totally yeah, totally lose to Illawarra by 50. Collapse and Illawarra so they finish the top. best team on earth. So there's still a chance Cairns can jump to second, I believe. But we're not you talking about There is. The yeah, yeah, but we we're, we're talking about the race yeah, for fourth. Race for fourth. Fourth place. Fourth place for all the semi-pro fans out there. New Zealand currently sitting at 14 and 13 with the second best percentage. And I got this online off the uh, almighty Hoops Forum, which everybody loves. Oh, greatest. <laughs> Brisbane, 14 and 13 with the worst percentage. You're well loved on Melbourne, that. 13 and 13 with the best percentage. Yeah. So right now it's going to come down to there's only 1.5% differential between the percentage. So points difference, it's going to be all about points difference most likely unless... Brisbane and South, Brisbane and New Zealand lose and then Melbourne win out. They'll be able to get there because they've got two games this weekend. Otherwise, it is most likely going to come down to margins. Well, Melbourne hold their fate in their own hands once again, really. Yeah. If you beat Cairns, then you get the chance to see how many points you have to beat Phoenix by. And if Mitch Creek isn't playing because of his knee from last week, which we're not sure about, um, didn't look good at the time, but that's also going to help in Melbourne. But that, the game Thursday is the game of the... Like, that decides pretty much everything. Oh, 100%. It's going to be huge. Because... New Zealand have just been on this tear. New Zealand have been... Yeah. They've had their backs against the wall for so long and they've just risen to every occasion. But on the breakers, saw this article today. Send it to you. I know you... Oh, we got to finish out. We'll, we'll, we'll run through what, what actually has to happen. Oh, sorry. There, because yeah, exactly. uh, before we... On the actual run for fourth, do you ever see in any universe, if it comes down to Melbourne having to win by, say, nine points yep. against South East Melbourne, Simon Mitchell? No. Good friends with Dean Vickerman, used to coach at Melbourne. Does he say, you know what, Ty, let's just rest you out this one or let's no. uh, sub you out early? Absolutely do you do not. that? Because if I, and I'm going to put myself in that position, if my mate, who Dean and Simon are good friends, if my mate is coaching the other team and I know that they make finals if they beat us by nine points and our season is dead in the water and over, I'm probably resting some good, resting some guys. So it's an interesting one because there was a lot of talk. You'd never say it. No, no. You'd never say it or even do anything obvious. It's also, if it came down to that, if Southeast could knock Melbourne United out of the playoffs, that's a championship for them in their first year. Like they want, point. They want the point. fans, they want all of that, and they'd get all of that. I think if this is Simon Mitchell, a uh, Mike Kelly coaching 
an out-of-state team against Melbourne, I think there's more chance where it's yeah, this where is, there's no rivalry. This is huge, and I, I hope yeah. the, if it comes, I hope it comes down to it, just because it'll be that last game, and that that way you have it is that'd be a championship game for the Phoenix. That would, and they they, they, they market it as well. It'd be great for sure. That they would do that for sure. It's their home game. They'll be like, come and watch us knock Melbourne United out of the playoffs, and <laughs> it would be an unreal game unreal environment so i don't i do see what you're saying but no i don't i think it would go the other way i'm just i'm just getting my conspiracy theory yeah on. fair enough anyway what were you, you so yeah the breaks i saw this article i'm gonna i'm gonna have i'm gonna read facts from the article so basically the article was saying that they've been dealt um bad hands they don't get enough recognition they deserve they're saying that dan shamir should be coach of the uh, <coughs> director of basketball yeah sorry don't mix that up I'm sorry Some legalities I, do like the breakers. There. I do like the breakers um and what they have done, what they've turned around with the squad they have and the guys playing, without a doubt, they have been unbelievable this year. Like they've dealt with a lot of drama, a lot of crap, some within their I was control, about to say, yeah, you, you, you've a brought lot a lot of crap and a lot of drama into the inner sanctum there. You say that. Now, this article from a, from a thing over in New Zealand, the story of the breakers this season- Did you just credit the article with a thing over in New Zealand? Can I read? Are you going to credit the article? The Raw. The, it's from The Raw. Thank you. The story of the Breakers this season has been wrongfully viewed as a negative one. The media have portrayed the Breakers as an organization that couldn't do anything right and were in utter turmoil, which is completely false. <laughs> Had Head office has questioned on every decision they made, but they currently sit above the majority of the competition on the ladder. Before you jump in, last paragraph. <laughs> Acquiring Glenn Rice Jr. may not have worked out, but he had a lot of upside and was worth taking the risk for. Oh. As seen in his few Breakers games. Oh. Now. See, that's what, like, you know that scene in Space Jam where the monsters, the dude that can reach really far? Yeah. I don't even think he reached as far as the Raw just did on that one that by is... trying to scrape together. Good on the New Zealand Breakers. Yeah. Doing fantastic. They've got a talented roster. Yeah. They've got a good director of basketball. Yeah. They've got a good owner. And there's more stuff in there that you the would The Glenn like. Rice situation was one of the dumbest things that has happened in Thank professional you. sports in this country. Acquiring <laughs> Glenn Rice, not once, but twice, yeah. was the dumbest thing that they've ever done. And in no universe can that be defended. So they, you're right. They had a lot of things. They had injuries that were out of control. And then they had the Corey Webster leaving, all this kind of stuff. But there were certain things that were 100% within their control. So I do agree they deserve a lot of credit for what they've done. There's a big chance to make the playoffs, huge chance after everything, and could maybe do some damage. They're, they're playing good. They're playing for Fata, all that kind of stuff. I love watching the Breakers play They've right got now. that never-say-die attitude. And, and I, hate, I hate to say that, like, oh, they're, they're playing for someone or that sort of yeah. thing because it discredits what they're actually right. doing. But there is an emotional connection yep. with this team where you can tell they're playing for something bigger. And, 100%. I, and, and I think it is, whether it be Fata or whatever it is, whether it's them sort of, you know, a bit of Coming a fuck together. you against, yeah, yeah. The, against the media yeah. and everyone who's been talking down on them, which sort of ended as soon as they started winning, which, yeah. is, which is easy to say. But but talking to Scotty Hobson, Finn Delaney, Tom Abercrombie, where they're at now as a team and what they're doing it for, it's unbelievable. I love the breakers, what they're doing now. But don't put out articles like that. <laughs> that no, no, is that, absurd. That stuff ruins it. <laughs> that stuff ruins, <laughs> ruins it. it. But they, again, they hold their fate in their hands. They get to go and play um, in Horncastle, I believe. I believe that's the arena, Horncastle <laughs> Is that a real arena? place? I think so. Horn, isn't that where Shrek got married? Is it? Horncastle? Maybe. No, I don't know. Something like that. Someone lines. will find out. Anyway, Producer, speak, <laughs> speaking of Shrek, let's jump over to the great man, Wertho, over in Bunbury. What did I say last week? No, I said down in Bunbury last time. 
I don't know. I can't remember. I got called out. I got called out for it. We won an award. So now I'm just going to say over in Bunbury from now on to avoid any sort of confusion with where I'm going. But let's have a look at who the big man's going to posterise this week. G'day, fellas. Hope you guys are well. Well, leading into last weekend, the Brisbane Bullets had their fate in their own hands. All they need to do was to take care of business versus New Zealand and then hopefully get there against Perth. Well, as we know, it didn't happen against New Zealand. They fell it by four points at home and then they headed out west to Perth. Now, against the Wildcats, they were struggling to score. Uh, Nick Kay was dominant in that game. And when it came to the crunch time, Andre Lamanis turned to Ruben Tarangi. Now, Rubes obviously had a great year last year, and he was sensational for most uh, of last season. But he's been seldomly used this season to this point. And I found it a bit of a head-scratcher. He'd been going with EJ Singler for a lot of this year in the four spot to be able to stretch out the defense and try and create a few extra points. I think he's been one of their more consistent players this season overall, but hardly used him in this last game. To me, when you're looking for a win on the road, you turn to what you know. And for this season, EJ Singler's been pretty solid for him. Ruben Tarangi has hardly played. Once again, this has got nothing to do with Rubes. Rubes has been a great player for a long period of time. But this season, like I said, just hadn't been used. What are you guys' thoughts on it? I thought it was a weird one and decision by Lamanis to turn to Tarangi especially when you've been going with Singler, who's been fantastic during this little run of theirs. Well, it's interesting. It now, is. I zone out of anything whenever I hear someone refer to a player as a nickname. <laughs> Rubes. <laughs> it's Ruben Tarangi. We're meant to be non-biased Tarangi. here. Ruben Tarangi. But yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on that one, Pete? I saw it as well, and I was a little shocked um, at what, he had done. We're going to talk about the bullets a little bit later, annoyingly, but Werther seems to get our rundown in nice and early. But it is, yeah, it's it's something that he was so good last year and so important to the bullets. And obviously, he got credited with sixth man of the year and most improved, and rightly so. But I don't even, I can't recall one game this year where he really had like back no, to I think his he had self. like 16 points in one game right. at the midpoint of the season, but it's been so inconsistent that it's a blip in the radar. Right. So. Yeah, it's an interesting one for sure of what Lamanis was thinking. And I think we, I don't want to get onto our last point too much. Um, but the Bullets are in a bit of trouble. And it was, it was more, you can't just highlight that play, but they're in a, a lot of trouble. And they actually played some pretty good basketball, in, in the, especially in the New Zealand game. They played some good basketball, just couldn't close. But who do you turn to? And unfortunately, Matt Hodgson, he got fouled out as well. Couple of those fouls, you got to know how important you are to your team in certain stages, and you just don't yeah. But there's do also it. a couple. Of, yeah, I, I understand those ones though. But he's also hard done by as bigs are every single week in this league, and yeah. it is the most frustrating thing on earth. Yeah. Big man, it's it's like the league has an agenda in which they just don't want centers playing. Like they watch Houston Rockets basketball, and that's the way that it should be because bigs are notoriously hard done by. I don't know whether I've, I've never been a ref. Are they harder to ref? Or is it just the physicality? There's a different level of physicality that applies to big on See, big I, contact. And that's what we need to understand as a league. That, okay, guard on guard contact when you drive into the hoop. Yeah, there's a certain amount where even though it looks soft, it really impedes the offensive play. Like, and that's why they have to call it. But bigs, it's different. When you're banging down low in the post, I hate it when they call that shit. I feel like it's actually 
It'd be easy to. It should be easy to referee. It should be picks. easier because, because you start going mano a mano. That's the way this position and guards is are quick and they've got the handle and you can't exactly see certain things at times. And as you said, bigs they're just going body to body. Well, and I that's think what we want to see. Part of it is sometimes we've gone where way off topic. Well, part of it no, it's it's, it's still on topic. Yeah. It's, it's NBL related. Yeah. Part of the reason is that when bigs are getting, they get it down there on the block. Everything stops. Yeah. And everyone is looking at the one play. That's why bigs always get done on travels and all this sort of stuff because they're standing there evaluating the floor. Yeah. It point. all stops. All the fans are watching and the ref's just standing there with a whistle in his mouth. So the pressure amps up that little bit more. When it's free-flowing play, you can get away with a bit of a missed call and it goes. You get away with, you miss a call on a big, it's obvious because it's slow and it, it, it's that sort of thing. So I think it's the pressure. I think that'll that be one of the major thing that does change next season because every coach has come out and said that they want their bigs to be out of play and they haven't been refereed the the same way. No, it's hard for us to get guys like of yeah. Sean Long's caliber because when Sean Long first came over here, foul, 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 foul. Everyone's like, oh, he oh sucks. look at Miles Plumley, same thing. Miles Plumley, foul, foul, foul. It <laughs> happens all, yeah. every time we get a good import big. In player out of bounds. Now, this one absolutely astounds me. Shout out to Seb Greenway for putting this one out on Twitter the other day. But I didn't believe it and I looked into it and it's completely factual. With LaMelo Ball, the Illawarra Hawks averaged 3,078 fans per game. Without LaMelo Ball, they average 3,615. Now, if you're not a mathematician, the latter number is higher. <laughs> so they average more fans without LaMelo Ball at Illawarra. This is the team that became the, the road show. Yeah, that's selling what Selling out arenas yeah. on the road. Selling out the Sydney arena. Selling out Melbourne. Brisbane. Cairns. Anywhere they went, the place sold out. It was a travelling ticket. Yet, they get more fans at home when he's not playing and when it's... When it's just like Angus Glover and, and Sunday Deck? But mate, I think maybe the only thing I can attribute it to is that the game straight after when he got hurt and he wasn't playing and they won a couple, the brand of basketball they were playing was a lot better. Granted, the last couple of weeks have been awful, but for a little bit there, it was actually those young guys were just thriving off that opportunity and they were playing better basketball. They beat the Kings on New Year's Eve, which I don't know how. I still try and figure out how that happened. But they were playing a more attractive style of basketball from a fan's point of view. Up until the last couple of weeks. <laughs> been See, awful. but I always think that uh, when you talk about an attractive but style no... of basketball, that's because we're ex-players and people who yeah. know the game. And a lot of people don't leave the game thinking, oh, that wasn't... Well, no, sorry. You have to know the game quite well. Well, they also weren't losing by 30 consistently. That they... also, that, that does have a but, weird, strange correlation you, with There's no fans. one sitting at home being like, oh, let's go to a game tonight. Oh, Lamelo's not there. Let's definitely go. So it's not like... That's I... what it seems like. It's like the Steel City said, you know what? <laughs> well, He's as gone. you said, he sold out every venue he went to away from... And I said earlier in the season, I said, why aren't fans getting around LaMelo Ball at home? And it's probably a lot of the case of, oh, I've been once, I've seen LaMelo once at home. That could be it as well. That, that, that works out there because the first game they had was was big. Yeah. And then, and then it did slowly. Yeah, and sort there's of so much off. to do on nights in Illawarra. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap jab. Anyway, it's not my favorite night. segment. I've had good nights out there. Oh, Illawarra is a great place to be. Yeah. Hot or cold, split the Coach of the Year award. We've got on one side. You're big on this. I am huge on this. Out of all the awards, you can almost make a case for splitting the award for every single award, but the Coach of the Year is the clear standout in this whole scheme of things. Mike Kelly, gone from last, I believe it was, to the finals. Unbelievable season, and they're also a championship contending team. Throw in, he was 0 of 3 at the start of the year. He was 0 of 3 at the start of the year. Will Weaver. Yeah. The most consistent season a team has ever had in the NBL. So virtually, if we when we don't include finals in these Coach yeah. of the Year awards, the best season a coach has ever had in the NBL. I don't care who you have on your team. It's still very, very hard to win those that amount of games. 
and to do it so consistently. Look, I, yeah, I don't like agreeing with you too much, because but you're on the money here because I've heard you say that there should be a most improved coach award. Yeah, because that is Mike. But there's even, also even though it's hard because Mike Kelly's not necessarily the yeah. most improved because he was a good coach. And you're that not going to have year. that kind of award every time. But he does. They both deserve recognition for what they've done, yeah. without a doubt. Um, and then you got the case of well, Trevor Gleeson's in his thirty-four like consecutive season. But Trevor yeah. Gleeson is the same as Bryce. If Bryce Cotton Natural, doesn't yeah. win the MVP award, then that is exactly the same. Recency treatment bias. As Tre- the it's, it's, well, not even recency bias. It's just we've got. It's why so many people hated the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, people get sick of things being so great. It's why people don't like the Wildcats. Yeah, that's and, what and said. partly because they've got the best fan base in terms of size, all that sort of stuff. They're loud. They wear. It, and then it also people hate it. They people, hate the success. If people can't understand exactly when Westbrook averaged a triple double and got MVP, everyone's like, "That's absurd!" Like he's elite. Second year did it in a row. Everyone's like, "He's selfish. not that good." He's so. But I think yeah, that award is going to be. They both are well deserved of it. Like what yeah. Mike Kelly's done, and for Cairns as a whole, not just the team and success, but everything about the culture, all of that is unreal. But Will Weaver's done something that's never been done before. And he's also done it like... And he's dealt with a lot of stuff. And he's also a great coach. It's not like there's just talent running around there out there on the floor. I don't know. It's going to be very hard to see a split. Whoever loses this award out of Will Weaver and Mike Kelly will be the most hard done by loser of the coach in history. And whoever it is, you're going to get a nice heart-to-heart from Felix von Hoff on the awards. I feel like he's going to go give you a hug. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I'll give Mike Kelly a hug either, either way. I don't actually know Will Weaver personally, but I will give yeah, Mike I'll Kelly. Mike I, Kelly I will give Mike Kelly the biggest hug on earth. No, nah, I think, I Mike, I think Mike's night. got it because, and I'll talk to you why in a because couple of Because the narrative days. has Stop. been pushed. Don't get me there. I'm, I'm, I'm saving up for this. Hot or cold? Could the MVP not make the all-NBL first team? No, cold. How? Because it'll be Machado or Bryce Cotton. So Lamar Patterson's no chance anymore. After we've pushed the narrative all year, Lamar Patterson's no chance anymore. As we said, I think a lot of it as well comes down to team success, and I don't think they're going to make. There's the a bit of a now. push for Scotty Hobson as well. Yeah, oh, I know he's back in the picture. But this could it, it could very well be if Hobson Hobson could make Hobson won't make it over Machado well, in the All NBL first team. But there's a one very of those chance two. it'll be Patterson or Lamar who are uh, Patterson or Hobson, which gets in the last spot in the All NBL. Yeah, team. and and if Patterson or Hobson wins, that I can't, I don't think there would be a league in the world in history. I think where the MVP has not made the All NBL. I think team. all of that's done before this round starts, so it's got nothing to do with. If it is, team. if we find out that it is, then I'm going to question that even more because remember last year that it was there was an award that affected I think it was Barlow or Chris Goulding. With the way that it was voted before the actual final but round had been completed, more, yeah, we're like well, you can't. The issue is that the awards, yeah, the awards have to be engraved, and the awards night well, is on Sunday. And but the thing is, we talk about the whole season, and you should be looking at that more so than last round. But because of how close these awards are this year, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that that's a big topic. So, we need to touch on that right now. Well, I don't know. This, yeah. The awards night needs to be moved a week. In advance, if that's the case. Because you're right, they oh, engrave advance, these awards. For, further forward. Yeah, it needs to be moved further forward. Oh, okay. Um, or further back, whichever. Further you know back. what I'm saying, like like yeah. a week into the finals. But then it's, it's hard to have. That's what I mean. You've got to have teams around. And, it's, and there's we the, had two the years conundrum ago, that they run into. Two years ago, because of the way the finals were set up, Perth weren't even there. Yeah. We had a live broadcast. But it's like the Brownlow. Yeah. The Brownlow does the same thing. Sometimes you can't make it, but there is no way... That you should not include, and it's such a close race because Bryce Cotton could go for fifty in this final game. You never know. Lamar Patterson could go for fifty. These could be yeah, massive think- impact games. And also, if you have a big game, because they say whenever you win an MVP, there's always an MVP moment. 
I'll tell you what an MVP moment Getting would be. Getting a team in the finals. Would be just putting a team on your back. Scotty Hobson goes for 45, 10, and 10 and gets New Zealand, the, gets New Zealand yeah, into the finals. But then we are looking at... Because you've also think that you think Bryce deserves it as well. Like, I think it would be criminal to not right. give Bryce... So I think... Whenever it is, you've got to look at what he's done the whole year, and a lot of that comes like this weekend is irrelevant then. But because there's teams playing off the finals, which is great, and you're thinking about, I think it hurts more more than the MVP because I think it'll be Bryce or Machado. Even though I wanted Lamar, I still think Lamar's been. Terrific. But even the All NBL first team, that's all what I mean. Things are affected. The all by NBL this. first team is the big one. But again, you look at over a whole year. I think it's going to come down to. But then I think about the MVP should it be done more like a Brownlow with votes after game. But then who votes? You need some. Someone because oh, they've got enough people to vote, but I, I just think it's in no way should it be decided before the final round is done. Well, it's I'll a disservice what, to the players, tell you what a disservice was. to the fans. I'll tell you what was two years ago, Siebel MVP was decided for the last round, and I tied second with Craig Moller, and we were both stiff. We should have been in, we both had great last games in the yeah, last round. Yeah, see, that's round. how it works. It Tom Wilson won, and he was in China. <laughs> so you tell me how that see, works. See, it's a big thing. Hold or cold, fourth place should be decided by head-to-head. We're heading into the final round now, and it's an absolute clusterfuck of everyone, and it's going to be decided most likely on percentage. You know why I'm big on this? I think hot on this particular thing right now. Whichever way it falls, it could be Illawarra or Melbourne. I think Brisbane's done. They might they might be able to make it happen, but Illawarra or oh, sorry, New Zealand or Melbourne, it's going to come back to that leaking roof, man, and that sucks because they might... Potentially. Yeah, it sucks, but it goes both ways. They could have even lost that game. You never know. They would. Most likely they wouldn't have, but you don't, you, yeah, you don't I, know. Sometimes when a team's got nothing but to play for, I mean, you can't still, push that It's still tough. Out. Say they ended up losing out on finals to Melbourne United by six points, and then that'll be something they'll be like, damn. And they, But they had the choice to fight it. They had the yeah. choice. But then the NBL did the right thing. You can't make up a score for the exact other way around where Melbourne United lose by six points that Illawarra, uh, New Zealand just got. Yeah. So it's tough, but I do like I think it's a head-to-head but then it kind of works for, as one of our mates has been pushing for, a 4-5 playoff wildcard game. Which I don't mind the wildcard. I think it's for this exact situation. But when's the last time we had something this close of, like in the last round with so many... A lot of it's been set in stone and it's kind of like everyone's like, all right, let's get finals underway. Like this, this is what the year has been and this is what it deserves and it's going to be unreal. Hot or cold, Lamanis is in trouble if Brisbane make the finals. Now, coaches in the NBL sit on one of the hottest seats in sports because they seem to just be able to be gone at any point. As soon as they lose three games in a row and we call for their head. Is Lamanis in legitimate trouble with the rosters that he has had at Brisbane and the lack of success that he's had? Even though they've had good spurts this year, it's still it, it's a win-loss league. Do I think or do I believe? Which one do you want to hear? Give me both. I believe he shouldn't be but I think he might be. I think he gets one more year. And I believe, I think I'm I'm the same on both. I think and believe that he will get one more year where he's not involved with the boomers, which is taking over a majority of his thought process and and preparation time and actually have a proper preseason with his team. And I'm worried that they look at it as like, well, this is another failure that we've had. And regardless of how good they've been the last couple of months, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a fail. I I think it works the other way. Lamanis wasn't with this team in the preseason. He was focusing all his attention on the World Cup. And now look what's happened. They had a slow start. And now all of a sudden, they're storming towards the finals, well, potentially. Weaver so that just shows... Weaver wasn't here either. Yeah, but uh, Lamanis has been... Going, when you're the head coach, you're doing a lot more. Yeah, yeah. When you're the head coach of a team, you're doing yeah. a lot more. So you can't compare an assistant to a head well, let's, coach. Well, let's just go with Cole on that. So we go with what we, we hope, that he gets another year. I think... I, I, Has he signed off for another year? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm but not it, sure. But it's also, as we'll we see with the Joey that. Wright situation, contracts are worth less than the paper they're written we'll on at the moment. On that. 
Hot or cold, Mitch McCarron, Defensive Player of the Year. Now, Jordan McCallum, one of the best statisticians on Twitter that brings out a whole bunch of great data, great useful data, yep. which sometimes in this stat-driven world, we don't actually find anything that's useful. It's just numbers being thrown around. Yep. But looking up the defensive efficiency statistics while taking out garbage time yeah. and just junk minutes and, and you know guys that played two or three minutes, yeah. Mitch McCarron's right up there at number two behind Bogut. Two guys that haven't really been spoken about in the Defensive Player of the Year award. All we've heard is DJ Newbill, a little bit of Will Magnate. You know what? I hate this award. Not because we don't play, like you and I don't play defense. I hate it because of what it's become. It is a socially constructed award unless you have a Damian Martin who's led the league in steals for years and rightly is always in the conversation or a Will Magnate with what he's done in the blocks department. Yeah. Unless you have a full-on stat like that, the rest is socially constructed. Round six or someone, uh, something's... Whoever came out with the first thing, DJ Newbill's a great defender. All of a sudden, that caught traction. People were watching yeah. him like, hang on, he is. Like, he's a good defender. It's only been recently, like a couple weeks ago, where people are like, oh, Mitch McCarron, like, he's been working on his defense. And then stats like that come out. But it's too late to be able to have the narrative. You've got to push that stuff from the start. And that's what sticks in voters' minds is that narrative and that socially constructed, which kind of works for all the awards, but more so when there's no... If you're not going to give Defensive Player of the Year for a statistical holder in a certain category, blocks or steals, then it's so it's fully a narrative-driven. Because I think... Well, I thought DJ Newby was going to get it because of all the talk I was hearing and everything. But now I'm hearing Magnate for... And I look at watch Magnate... Because well, you usually go with... Usually it's a stat leader. Right, it is. But it hasn't... That's steals, what I mean. Steals, blocks, whatever yeah. it is. But now it's become a narrative thing where... But I look at... Now, when the narrative came at Will Magnate, you're like, hang on. All the blocks he had, but not even that. Just his defense in general. He's walling up. He's changing him shots. Like, he's terrific. I'm like, well, there you go. Maybe he's back in the conversation. But from what I hear, it's DJ Newell's to lose. Look, it's going to be, they're going to pick that one out of a hat. Are they? <laughs> I think you're right. It's a socially, it's socially structured award. Not a huge fan of it, but you have to have it. Otherwise, it We're would not, be. Yeah. We don't yeah. play defense. We're not huge fans of it. No, no, no. I could give absolutely two shits about defense. <laughs> and that's the last time we'll mention defense on this I, podcast. Sorry, on that, I would rather an all defensive team. Yeah, but then you also get, then again, it's oh, still socially constructed. It's all, the defense yeah, you, is such a. But that way you have less, can't find the less people who are like, oh, you, stiff for that guy missing out. You've got five guys. But you're still going to say stiff for, stiff for the sixth guy that missed out. Well, it depends who it is. Defense. It's, no, but it's what always happens in the award. If you gave out three MVPs, people say the fourth guy. Why didn't he get it? It's just how we go. That's what we love about these award nights. There's always, everything's always up oh, for, we're gonna love you, up for debate and that sort of stuff. But anyway, NBA update. I want you to take the lead on this one with the great man. Matisse Thibel. Oh, we're going there. So apparently he's Australian. I don't know if he's ever. I don't even know where he is on the map. Like, can you point us out the continent on the map? I don't know if he can, but apparently he has the ability to have uh, play for the Boomers and stuff. As talented as he is, and how elite that would be, well, he's an elite defender. But is one that, of the best defenders is in that the what NBA. We're, is that what our country prides himself on? Yeah. See, I'm. Oh. I'm interested in this one because... This man has never been to Australia. Yeah, but we're also looking because you've got to understand how the government funding works with Olympic sports I want you to and t- everything. Yeah. Is we need to win Olympic medals and have success on the national stage in order to get major funding at the grassroots level. So right now it goes beyond... Oh, no, but this guy hasn't really been to Australia. So throw that shit out the window. Because we get a we get a silver medal, which I'm going to be realistic here against the USA. Yeah, did you see their score? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ouch. They're back. If we get a silver medal here, our funding goes zoom, straight up. We get more courts. We get all types of things that funding brings. What you need? So I don't care who's on the road. I don't care if you have Shaq, who's coming out to Australia soon. What if we he need, can get yeah. a passport, get him on the team. What we need is who we have in the roster and whose spot he would potentially be taking. Because... 
the narrative of our Australian boomers over the years has been how tough they are and how much they're one unit, they're together. They've got guys through the whole roster who just play in their roles. Paddy leads it, Joe, Bogues, all that kind of stuff, Bainsey. I honestly think without him, we still have enough to get a silver medal. It seems to be awfully hard to beat. What And USA is on it. They want to get revenge. Yeah. But I still think that are we going to have to go down that path of we're bringing in a guy who, as I said, has never even been to Australia. Again, if we win a silver medal, it's kind of you throw a rug over and be like, all right, well, awesome. Awesome to have him on. But I think as Australians and what we've prided ourselves on in the Olympics, in the green and gold as a team, I wouldn't want to see him. Never even played growing up. Well, you'd have to see him at the camp because, again, as much as he's an elite defender, this team's been built on mateship and camaraderie, which sounds so token and cliche. We didn't hear any more about, did we? Any more about what? If he's going to play or anything. No, no, no. no. Well, he's still still working out, I believe, whether it's actually a viable thing that he can do. Well, if you're in his situation... Yeah, of course. You want to go to the Olympics. That's That's why guys play for like Trinidad and and like random countries that... (laughs) Mauritius. Yeah, yeah, places like that. They'll go anywhere to go to the Olympics. <laughs> I think Chima Monoka has a chance to play for Nigeria potentially. Mr. Oh, really? Kid. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys. Yeah, that, yeah. A lot of guys that sneak into other teams in the Olympics. I, I but anyway, like it. it's time to like put your money where your mouth is, Pete Hawley, with our bets this week. Are we going? Oh yeah, because I went. I went ahead. You already told me yours earlier. You, didn't, you don't want to tell the public about what you decided to choose. I, I've got Melbourne winning both games this weekend, and we have it listed that you've got them losing both games that's this incorrect. weekend. Uh, oh, well, that's we why are you going back on that now? We haven't spoke any of it because I was told we weren't doing it. But if you want to do it, oh no, 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 we've got it. We've already done it. Sydney to win by thirty plus. No, sorry, not Sydney. New Zealand to so win. So you're throwing your original Melbourne plus. to lose both games? That is, tip out that, the was, that is, I'm suing you for defamation because that was never once brought up. And I, you were told me beforehand we were never going to be doing bets this week, which I thought that was strange. We no, we do bets together. every week, Pete. That's I don't know I mean. where you're getting this stuff strange. from. Um, all the guys in the studio. But I think uh, I'm, the sure thing is the New Zealand will beat the Phoenix um, and I will bank on Melbourne. I know you think Melbourne are going to beat Cairns. It'll be tough. Yeah, I've got, I've, got, I've got Melbourne winning both. I think backs against the wall, Melbourne winning both. They've got, uh, they've got a roster to the point where if you can just get enough motivation behind this team, they'll get it done. Do I think they're going to have success in the finals? No. Do I think they'll make the finals at the moment with the way it's set out? Yes. I can't see them getting swept by a team. And that'll be, if they lose to Cairns, oh, they die. get swept. Yeah. If they, Not in the finals. I'm talking about in a regular season. I can't see, you can't get swept. Yeah, it's very hard. It's very hard to beat a team that many times in this league. But anyway, that's enough time for us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, the number one rated NBL podcast, all thanks to the NBL. We will see you next week for the wrap-up of the awards night and and a whole lot more. And you guys.